Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Eric Crocker Show. We're going live. We're talking all things quarterbacks. I mean, everything pertaining to the quarterback position. What's the biggest difference between guys that have great mechanics, don't have the mechanics, why some guys last longer in the NFL than others at the quarterback position. Obviously, we're diving into Trey Lance, his new throwing motion. We got Greg Pinelli here. He's breaking down all of that, what went into it, the difference between Trey Lance in the previous years and what Trey Lance is looking like now and what they should be looking for in Trey Lance in OTAs, right? Is it completion percentage? Is it pushing the ball down the field? All that and more right here. Uh, so again, before you get started, man, make sure y'all hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Uh, we finna get it going right now. So with no further ado, I'm bringing on my main man, my partner in crime, my guy, Greg Pinelli. Greg Pinelli. What's out. going on? I'm good, Crocky. How are you, man? I, I, I'm good, man. You you rush straight here uh, from the field. You work with a lot of quarterbacks. So, what uh, what is a, a session like? You know, at this point, you know it's kind of early in like the off season of training. I know guys are going to start ramping up over the next couple of months, heading into their actual seasons. But I know you work with a lot of uh, younger quarterbacks. So tonight, what's something that you like specifically try to focus on? Yeah, I'd say, you know, tonight, and honestly, like, to take a step back, off, early offseason would be like January, February, March. Now it's kind of getting into full swing, especially for the high school guys where we're getting into camp season. These guys are getting ready to go off to the college circuit. You know, the camp circuit's like, uh, I know there's big camps in, in um, SMU, TCU this weekend. There's one in Florida State. Those are like the mega camps, which they didn't have those when we were, um, back when we were playing in high school, it was like the Nike football training camp or the spark combines were like the big thing where all the college coaches could come. Now it's more, um, you know, TCU is going to do a camp this week. There's going to be 50 other schools there, you know, from Michigan to Florida to Texas. Um, you know, all the Texas schools will be there. Uh, I, Arizona I, State, SMU, a bunch of Pac I went to the SMU one maybe a year ago, two years ago. It was like the when, when, when Strand, right? With Strand? Yeah. Oh man! Yeah, so you saw like that's a mega camp, right? Yeah. So all of these coaches are there, and so now it, you know the last month or two is trying to prepare these guys for camp season. What they're probably going to be going through, what kind of questions, being confident, making sure you're jumping in line, getting your reps, um, being dialed in, um, you know, mechanically with your footwork, doing under center drops, doing out of gun drops. You know, everybody wants to do these. Uh, everybody, most people are in the gun these days, but I make guys do stuff under center just because you never know what's going to be thrown at you at the camp. So, that's um, like backpedal. Most kids aren't backpedaling at their high schools, but I make them. I mean, that's the first thing we do go through, right? Because when you go to a camp, first thing they're gonna have y'all do backpedal. <laughs> so. Backpedal, yeah. So I literally have them do everything: drops down the line. I mean, off platform, on platform, throws on the run. Everything that we did at the sessions. You know, last year when I was doing those sessions, it was kind of that, but obviously at an accelerated pace. Um, but tonight I had a couple, I had five hours of sessions and then I was doing um, heavy on the mechanics today, making sure that guys are dialed in, firing from their hips, not leaning over, being firm with their front side shoulder, getting the elbow to really drive through, um, just working on a ton of the little details um, and the finer things in comparison to just going out there and throwing routes. Awesome stuff there. We'll, we'll get, continue to kind of dive into mechanics as the show goes on, especially as it pertains to, to Trey Lance. But I want to start with a different angle. All right, Sam Darnold, and I think a lot of people 
you you hear people talk about him in kind of this optimistic way. And there are a lot of people that initially just want to push back right away. And, and I always right. think that it, it's not over till it's over with anything. If anybody has ever competed against me in anything, dude, I could be down one to nine and 10 is game point. And I'm going to be going as hard and still feel like I have a legit opportunity to win this. Right. So when I look at a guy like Sam Darnold and you know, he's down right now, uh, didn't go great in New York. It didn't go great in Carolina. And I know there's a lot of people that's like, well, it didn't go great in those two places. Why would it go great with the San Francisco 49ers? But the first thing that I want to ask you is how much does not a, a situation impact the development of a quarterback because I hear Le'Veon Bell talk about how uh, Adam Gase just was not good for that offense, was not good for Sam Darnold. We hear about how Adam Gase was with Peyton Manning. Obviously, uh, uh, getting Peyton Manning at that point when he's playing with the Broncos in, in comparison to uh, getting a young uh, Sam Darnold straight out of college, you know, like 20 years old when he's drafted. Like, there's a drastic difference there. So it seemed like he wasn't quite able to develop him. So uh, I want to ask you, how much does that kind of either stunt, like kind of stunt or help like the growth of a young quarterback that's not in the greatest of situations for him. I think it goes back to, I mean, history kind of shows how those circumstances usually play out. It seems like every single year guys are tossing the fire. Uh, look at the Browns. How many years and how many quarterbacks did the Browns take until they kind of found a dude and then they moved on from him, obviously in Baker Mayfield, but it's like, you know, they were getting Heisman winners. They had Brady Quinn, they had, you know, Colt McCoy. I'm not saying those are, the, you know, obviously Heisman winners, but they they were getting dudes year after year after year after year. Like this was going to be the answer instead of building a team around them. And and so that's a prime example. Like you're tossing to the fire without dudes around you. Are they going to be the same as a Brock Purdy? Like if Brock Purdy was on the Texans last year, would Brock Purdy have been the same quarterback on the Texans as he would have been on the 49ers? Well, what, Probably what, not, right? Well, so, I'm like, ask you why? Like, what? What do you think? Just from a talent perspective, I mean, look at look at what they have. Look how good the team was. Look how well they were coached. Obviously, not great if they got a new coaching staff. Um, the talent around them. Do, do they have the right pieces to the puzzle? And then on the flip side, you got the 49ers, where they have a team that's ready to win now. So it's I'm not saying it's plug and play, but there's a lot of other moving pieces that are are moving together versus the Jets when Darnold was there, the Panthers last year, the Texans, the Browns historically. Um, so I think that it's huge um, for these guys to come into a team that is somewhat ready. Um, hence why you see guys almost like in the third round, fourth round, they end up in better positions than first-round quarterbacks that are tossed into the fire right away. Um, so I think, you know, just Darnold being in that situation with the Jets, it wasn't great. You know, it, it just wasn't. That's why they ended up getting a new staff. That's why their team is completely different. Look what Salah's done with their defense. Now they have Rodgers. I would anticipate a bunch of changes coming, but um, it's not the same team that Sam Darnold was playing for. Look at the Panthers. That wasn't the same team that Cam Newton was playing for when they went to the Super Bowl, right? So um, just two completely different situations. 
Um, but then you go into the Niners where it's like, okay, well, now we got – you have a great offensive staff. You have a really good defense behind you. You have a bunch of playmakers on offense. You don't have to be a perfect guy. Like the weight doesn't have to fall on your shoulders um, in order for plays or to make plays. And that was the same thing going back to USC that we had talked about. The, the USC team that he played for with Coach Helton is not the same team that Caleb Williams is playing for offensively, right? Defense is still subpar, obviously, but um, offensively yeah, completely different. Yeah, like they're buns, right, on, on defense, just fact of the matter. So, um, you know, I would say that it, it wouldn't surprise me people are going to fire back, and I talked to you about it. Like it wouldn't surprise me if Darnold comes in and actually looks damn good and does well if he had an opportunity. That wouldn't surprise me given the circumstance that he's being put into or the situation he's being put into in San Francisco. Um, he's obviously got a live arm. He's, he has experience. Yes, the experience that he's gotten isn't going to be the same as, you know, waking up and being for, with the 49ers from day one. Um, but I think he's had his ups and downs. He's had his failures. He's had some, some successes, some good throws that he's made in the NFL. He's shown that he's had the ability to do some things. Um, but a lot of that weight was falling on his shoulders. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you never know what the hell is going to happen, obviously, with the quarterback situation. And we've been dealing with this quarterback situation for how long now? Um, you know, since basically Kaepernick was gone, we've been in this situation. So um, I'm intrigued to kind of see what's going to happen. How beneficial do you think it would be for a guy like Sam Darnold, who, you know, he, he struggled, you know, for the, the first part of his career, still very young, 26 years old. But for a guy who struggled as much as he did, how beneficial is it to go to a situation where, hey, you do not have to play. You can actually sit, learn, learn a system, be in this system for multiple years, and then eventually either move on or maybe take over, right? If, if maybe you're not getting out of the, you know, uh, the, the quarterback position, what you want from your starter or whatever. But like, how beneficial is it uh, to be able to sit after struggling for so many years and then kind of try to revamp your career a la a, you know, Geno Steve Young. Or Steve Young, there's there's a good one as well. That's a prime example. Yeah, I mean, I think it's different for Darnold in the regard that he's older than these guys and has played more games than these guys that are now in front of him, right? Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. Um, He's literally got, I mean, what, three or four years in the NFL on those guys? three years in the NFL and those guys or whatever. So I don't know, you know, how he, if I was Sam Donald, I'm thinking I got nothing to lose at this point. I've already signed my contract. I literally have nothing to lose. I might as well come out and absolutely let it rip and show what I got. And if they don't sign me again for next year, or if I don't play this year, at least now I have the coaching staff vouching for me that I've done good things and I can continue my career at the NFL, whether that be a backup or a starter eventually one day again, you know, uh, Trubisky is one of those examples. So it's like, okay, Trubisky went, had his struggles, went and sat behind Josh. Then he goes on to, uh, where was it? Pittsburgh. Right. And he played a little bit. I mean, that's the one comparison as of recent, you could say. Um, but there's way less pressure. I feel like you can sit back and kind of, um, take a little bit more things in. You don't have to press as much. 
But like I said at practice, if I was him, I mean, it's just him, Trey, and, and Allen right now. So I would be out there absolutely letting it fly because I have nothing to lose. Um, and so I haven't seen a ton of OTA stuff. I haven't watched a ton of OTA stuff. You know, when I put out the tweet last week on the mechanics thing, that was pretty much the only videos that I watched from OTAs, but I haven't haven't spent a ton of time watching other stuff. Um, so I don't know really, really how it's going, where I'm assuming he's taking the second reps to Trey um, right now. He but, actually got all the first team reps today. Okay, so there you go. And, and I'm sure that that is Shanahan's way of making it competition, right? Letting him get an opportunity with the first team guys and see how he actually rolls with them. Um, and that's how it should be. You know, I, it, people are like, oh, Brock should start. Trey should start. This guy, I mean. In the grand scheme of things right now, in my opinion, it should be a completely open competition. Nobody should be named a starter yet. Let these dudes battle it out, and whoever wins the job, wins the job. Now, I get it. It's different because there is a lot of things tied up in Trey, draft picks and money, right, um, and, and him being a first-round draft pick. But at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for the organization, and I think letting these guys battle it out throughout the summer or throughout the rest of OTAs and into training camp when Brock Purdy gets back, making him battle it out and, and try and get the best that you can get out of these guys. Put them in high-pressure situations and see how they react to it. You know, a, a hot topic on social media is quarterback mechanics. And I, I see people talk about it all, all the time. And in my head, I'm just like, man, I'm not going to touch on this. I'm going to wait till I talk to my Greg, Greg Pinelli. And you put out a whole – really a, a write-up, you know, really analyzing Trey Lance's mechanics. But I don't want to start with Trey Lance. You know, I just want to start ask you a few questions just on quarterback mechanics in general. So off the top of your head, and I know everybody's kind of different, but who are some of your favorite quarterbacks to watch as it pertains to kind of like quarterback mechanics and some of the unique things that they do? So as far as guys that are like clean by the book, they do it. You're like, if you could tell dudes to watch a particular guy, like, Hey, go turn on TV and watch this guy throw. Like, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Uh, I would say that dudes that are clean in the NFL, like really clean mechanically, Joe Burrow's pretty sharp. Like he, he has really clean mechanics, um, uses his lower half. Well, not a ton of wasted movement. Um, looks very clean. Rogers is a guy that can throw the ball really well off platform wise. He's as good, if not better than every single dude in the league. He can make all the throws off platform. So when you're talking about um, off platform movements, I tell guys watch Aaron Rodgers. He's great with his front side. He doesn't fall off balance a ton. Um, you know, he does the pop step stuff that we had talked about last year. Um, and, you know, other guys like Jimmy G. You know, people are all Jimmy. No, Jimmy is very clean from a mechanical standpoint. And that goes to just because you're clean mechanically doesn't in turn mean that you're the greatest quarterback in the world. And I'm not knocking Jimmy, but we've all seen. There you go. Overrated as long as you can get the ball quick and accurate. Like Jimmy, that's that was Jimmy's forte. Got the ball out quick, pretty accurate for the most part. I would say historically he was pretty solid with it. Um, he didn't use his lower half a ton. You know, uh, later on in his time with the 49ers, I thought last year he did. But from a hand speed perspective and, and using his body overall, getting his front foot in the ground quick, um, super clean. 
Drew Brees, another guy that was always super clean mechanically. Um, but then on the flip side of it, you got guys that are a little bit more unconventional from a mechanic standpoint, and they're just great throwers of the football, great athletes. Patrick Mahomes, prime example. Josh, prime example. Um, those guys are a little bit more athletic with their throws. Um, you know, they they tend to do a, a ton of different arm slots. Their their feet don't necessarily always have to be set. They have crazy arm talent. Russ Wilson is a, a guy that gets a little bit longer on his front stride, a little bit longer on his arm path, or he'll dip it down like Trey was. He'll dip the ball down. Russ Wilson, same way. It's a baseball background type of thing uh, for him, but he's an extremely good thrower of the football. Last year. That'll, that'll be the exception for Russ, but um, throughout his whole career, I think he's been a talented thrower. So I think there's there's mix and matches, and you try and take bits and pieces of what each guy does well and try and blend it into one, and I think that's that's where you're going to get some really good quarterbacks. But the mechanics are, are one piece to it, and then the other piece is pre- and post-snap recognition, being a freaking leader on the field, um, how they handle themselves in the locker room, how they handle themselves with the media. Does the organization – like the way that they carry themselves, all of those other things tie into it. You you talk to me a lot about kind of the jump for Josh Allen and going from a you know fifty two percent completion percentage guy and then like fifty eight percent to like almost seventy percent. And right. you talked a lot about how that it kind of started to slow down for him a little bit more post snap, uh, pre snap, and post snap, and then that started to kind of help some of the other things clean up like the footwork etc so can you kind of expand on that a little bit more uh for some of the people that don't quite understand how starting to understand things from the mental standpoint and the game slowing down can help you in turn with your mechanics maybe not rush things as much i think that i mean when you come from college you know especially when you're in an offense, let's take Justin Fields, for example, when he was at Ohio State, they got the check with me system. Caleb Williams says, check with me. And what I mean by that, it's like they'll get up to the ball, they do their cadence, they go, boom. And then what do they do? They look to the sideline. Coach gives them a hand signal to hold up a sign, whatever. They might audible. Well, the coach in the booth is audibling it through the headset down to the sideline. They're getting hand signals. They change the play, send it in. Then you get offenses like a Utah right, where obviously one of my quarterbacks is at. And those guys over there at Utah, it's more pro style. They'll give two play calls into the huddle. They huddle up two play calls. They get the first one for this type of defense situation, and then they'll give the alert and then the second play call. So they'll literally do one play call, alert, second play call. So they get up to the line of scrimmage, um, which is how it is. Because I got a short and I feel like I'd hear like the – I hear the second play and I just start running all kinds yeah, of Yeah, like they do. And that's that's part of the thing when we're talking about like quarterbacks, it's not just getting up there and throwing the ball. Like there is so much more pieces to the puzzle. And same for the offensive linemen. So they'll give a play that might be a pass play, and then there's a whole completely different pass play. So one might built be built for uh, a too high safety look, and then the other one's built for a man look with pressure. So they get up there, they have to recognize through maybe motions or through pre-snap read and watching film. Okay. Well, this safety looks like he's in this spot. This guy's leveraged here. No, they're bringing pressure. So now I say alert, 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 or kill, kill, kill. And that gives everybody on uh, offense the notice that, Hey, we're moving on to the second play 
Then I get up there, kill, 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 alert, 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 wide 80, so go, boom. And then they snap the ball. And everybody should know that you were on to the second play. So that alone, learning a whole new playbook, being able to process information, being able to process things at the line of scrimmage in 15 to 20 seconds, that's a lot, man. I mean, it's not easy. And I think that, it, that it's good for quarterbacks to to come into the NFL and not be thrown into the fire, not have to learn those things right away um, and, and have an understanding of what the coaches really want. Um, you know, if a guy's in the NFL already running a similar system, it's not as bad. Like Jimmy, when he came over from the Patriots, Jimmy had run a West Coast type of system, came over from the Patriots. He sat for a week and then Kyle started throwing half of a playbook or a quarter of a playbook at him. And then they just try and build it on from there. Um, Real quick. So uh, really. Do you think that that Kyle comes off to me as very tight? Like it, it feels like his handling of his quarterbacks is, is very tight. Like he wants things done a very specific way. But when you see, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo come in, and have some of the success that he did. Didn't throw a ton of touchdowns or anything like that, but just the way he was very efficient, moving the rock. I mean, he was number one in a lot of different statistical categories uh, after those first five starts. Like most yards per throw, most yards per drive, most points per drive, most points. Like all that stuff was like, he was like number one, right? Do you think that Kyle, and we saw that something very similar, with Brock Purdy as well, like top of the league and a lot of different stats. The the more Kyle kind of gets his hand on and then he starts to throw stuff at them, because that's what you just mentioned, kind of throwing more at them. After, do you think that kind of like hurts his quarterbacks a little bit? Because it seems like the longer they're with him, the tighter he starts to get. And then the more it's like, gosh, I, I can't really mess up. And then, uh, and, then, and then, okay, he's throwing all this at me. Do you think that kind of slows them down a little bit? As opposed to just, hey, just walk in and play. Because, yeah, that Jimmy G you were talking about, he came in, half a playbook, doesn't even really know this stuff as much. But, man, he's firing. He he looks so confident. He starts to look he like he's a beat, man. Yeah. I, I, I you know, it, it's it, it was like the Josh thing that we talked about in Buffalo. You know, when Josh came into the league his first year, he was trying to be something that he wasn't always. Um, and, and being this pocket passer and, and playing up tight. And then finally year two, he loosened up and then he just starts playing the game that he knows how to play. And then now we see the athlete and the quarterback that he's become in the NFL. Um, I think, yeah, you got to have, you got to, you got to give it, give a, uh, unravel the reins a little bit, give them a little bit more from time to time and let them go with it. And then when they screw up, okay, now I got to reel it back in just a little bit, but um you know, with Jimmy, it was interesting because it was like it was I don't feel like he ever got enough consistency within the offense because he played then he was hurt and he plays go to the Super Bowl and he's hurt and they go. He plays. He gets hurt a little bit. And they go to the NFC championship game and he's hurt again. It's like shit. There's no consistency. I, you know, it'd be tough for for anybody to go bounce up and down from that. Um, but. You put the right pieces to the puzzle, which they have offensively. Now, it's just little things. It's coming down to the little things with these guys with, you know, routes and blocking. And I feel like a lot of the plays are dialed up in good situations for them to be successful, especially us watching the film every every fall. Like, I feel like they're put in a good situation a lot. There's just little things that are holding them back here and there. And... um 
And eventually it's been the death of the 49ers over the last three to four years. Um, but ideally I would like to see the quarterbacks come out and, and not be held back. Like you got to just let them go and figure out who they are. Otherwise they're going to play up tight. And like you said, once they do unravel and they, and they let, he just lets them go and they start making the mistake. Now they're scared to make the mistakes because they don't know what's going to happen because Trey's on Brock's ass, Brock's on Trey's ass, Sam, whatever. Everybody's in the mix instead of just sticking with one dude and rolling with it and seeing what happens. I, I think some of that is going on right now. I, I read my guy, Grant Cohn, he puts out an article and he's kind of been giving his perspective on the quarterback situation. And one thing that he mentioned was yeah, a lot of check downs from these guys. And he wondered, and I, I actually don't want to butcher his, his uh, quote. So let me actually screenshot it and I'll tell you exactly what he said here. All right. But he said, I wonder if the nature of this competition will cause both quarterbacks to throw lots of short passes so the media will praise them simply for completing throws. If that's the case, this competition will produce two losers. And essentially what he's saying is, you know, you, you can't play it safe right now. We just got a, we got a bunch of dink and dunkers on this damn team. Well, I've been hearing that. But, oh, shout out to shout out to who is it? Who who put that out? Was it Ryan that put that out there? And he, he's yeah. catching flack from everybody here and there. And and yeah, we talked about that. Like, yeah, Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner yeah, commented on it. Kurt Warner, like everybody got into it. We talked about it a little bit on on the the pod with with you and Peacock. But um, yeah, like everybody's definition of dink and dunk is going to be different. That would be the dink and dunk right there. Um. Definition, in my opinion, right? You're going to bypass maybe some throws because you're you're nervous to screw up. Don't want to mess up and coach say, "Ah, oh, screw it." So and so is getting the reps. Like you're not in college anymore. You know, you're not competing with five other guys. Like the reality is, is there's is there is two guys right now in training camp. One or the other is going to end up taking the one reps. Brandon, Allen, I mean, he might get tossed into there because I, apparently, you know, I, from what I've heard, is he's throwing the shit out of the ball. But again, Brandon Allen probably doesn't have nothing to lose. So why not show what you got? Air that damn thing out. What's your what's your famous quote? Air the air that hoe out. Yeah, why not? Like literally, let it rip. You got you the quarterbacks that can do it. I mean, we're because I'm talking and, about and, 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 like those guys can. Those guys can. They can. They can make those shows. They can do those things that you know some people say. Oh, Jimmy wasn't capable of doing. They do have stronger arms than Jimmy. They have stronger arms than Brock. And if everything is said as it is right now, we're apparently coming out of the Nor Niners organization that. Brock Purdy's the starter going into week one, given the fact that he's healthy. The hell he got to lose? Come out and throw the ball. Um, have fun with it. it. Show, hey, okay, now, like, this is really your opportunity because Brock is gone for the next two and a half, three months. This is your opportunity to try and get a leg up on him. He does have the game experience. Trace was cut short, obviously. Brock has the game experience, and he showed that he can make enough throws in the game to obviously lead the offense given what look what they did with his when he was in the game but you have nothing to lose you might as well air it out you might as well use the whole offense and use all the athletes that you got on the field and if you screw up hey take a step back you, you get another play you get another shot at it there's going to be practice tomorrow or, or whenever the next OTA practice is and you're going to get another shot at it Coach isn't cutting your ass tomorrow because you decided to throw the deep ball. Now, if that wasn't even a part of the progression and that's just a runoff route and you make stupid throws, that's different. But if you got a shot play and you're not taking shots, 
there's a reason why coach is dialing up the shot play or calling it on the script in practice is because he usually wants to see the ball get pushed down the field and see what guys can do. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Lance in practice, he did complete a vertically pushing route. I believe it was to Brandon Knight, which is weird. Cause it's like, Oh, you know, Sam Donald got all the reps with the ones, but then you have Trey Lance throwing a 40 yard pass, uh, completion to Brandon Knight, who's clearly a, you know, first team. Uh, you wrote uh, about or broke down, you know, like writing the article, but you broke down Trey Lance's mechanics. And, that, and that's been like a hot button topic for 49er fans. Everybody's talking about mechanics and what it looks like. And, oh, man, it looks so much different or it looks cleaner. Or, but you got a chance to kind of, with very limited film, right? You're just taking this, you know, a few throws from eight OTAs and comparing that to some of the things you've seen from the past. All right. And they weren't live reps. That that was just throws in a, a simulated drill, a spot catch, no pressure, no team reps. It was I, I think it was the film that that um or the clips that Grant posted or uh um uh, Grant I watched Grant's video that he posted from the sideline and uh, what's the other guy's name? Um, that writes for the athletic or something like that. I forget it. Oh, Lombardi. Right. Yeah. So I watched his, his video too. And so just looking at those two videos from like day one of training camp and then going back and looking at what Trey has done routes on air prior, that's where I kind of made the assessment off of. Um, but it'll be interesting to see the more we get into training camp, the more we get into um, live fire, if you would, um, what, is going to happen with his mechanics if it stays the same because throwing on air with no pressure, it's a little bit easier to be clean. You got to do it enough over and over and over again, whether that's with your quarterback coach, whether it's doing drill work on the side, you have to do it so much that it becomes a habit and it's muscle memory after a while. So then once they get onto the field, it's, it's literally no thought to it. You're not thinking about it. like when you're taking your drop, like you're doing your drop with team reps or the seven on seven, whatever. Those guys aren't thinking, oh, I got to get my front foot down. My stride length is going to be too long. I got to do – no, none of that is even being thought about. You should have dialed it in over time with your quarterback coach or doing it in the offseason that it's literally um, – that is your new mechanics, your new muscle memory, and you're just rolling with it. So I'm, I'll am i do some more stuff, I think, once we get more team reps coming out. Uh, but for the meantime, I think it looks a little bit quicker. The ball's coming out a little bit quicker. Uh, for those who didn't see, um, you know, the tweet or whatever, it was kind of comparing what he threw like before. I thought his motion was a little bit lengthy. He would lift the ball up and get a little bit loopy. He had a long front stride. Looked like he had some tighter hips. Um, and, and I could tell by the way, almost like his back foot would, if his front foot was down, instead of just his hip rotating this way or rotating to the right through his throw, his hip would almost work behind for a split second and then get back around, but his arm would end up getting in front of his hip. And that might lead to some of the arm issues he was talking about. So, and now on the flip side, it's, he's gone to more, instead of that separation where he was just kind of up and then separating, now he's just kind of separating and he'll do that quick pat and I, I, that was one of the things where it looks like he's got quicker hands. All it is is used for a timing mechanism or a sequencing thing. Um, once their front foot's about to strike, they'll pat the ball back and put themselves in a good position on the backside with their right arm while their foot's in the ground. And then through 
um, the transfer of their weight from their back hip as they rotate, that's when I start to transfer the weight through to my front foot. And then the arm should obviously chase the hip. Looked like Trey's arm was getting a little bit in front of his hips. And I think that's where we're seeing some of the accuracy issues, some of the velocity issues, some of the things as far as the ball coming off of his hand, a little bit funky, not a super clean spiral sometimes, or a little bit of tail to it. All of those things, it looked like he's improved on. But again, that is doing drill work or routes on air. It'll be interesting to see if he can carry that on through once we get into team reps and live fire. Uh, what would you be looking for with Trey Lance? Like, if you were standing on the sideline during OTAs, you're like, you know what? Uh, I'm trying to see like this in the progression of his development. Like, what what would that one thing? Is it mechanic? Because mechanics seem like that's what everybody's talking about. But that might be like my guy Steve said. I don't want to say overrated, but at the end of the day, can he complete the throw or, or, or can he not? Like, so Right, and that's what we've talked about in the past. Like, I don't care how the damn ball gets there. Just get the ball there, right? Like, what's – so many people – and I'm a quarterback coach, and I, and I train guys on their mechanics all the time, and it's to, to get them so clean. And college coaches now are so fixated on how guys look mechanically, and they're supposed to look a certain way versus what is the end result? Is he getting the job done or not? When it's crunch time and there's two minutes left, can I get my guy to make completions on time, accurate, touchdowns, moving the ball down the field? He's a leader. Those are all things I want. I don't give a shit if somebody kicks the ball down the field to somebody. Like, I don't care who's playing. And we've talked about it before. It doesn't matter who's the quarterback for the 49ers as long as they're winning games, right? And I think that fans should feel the same way. They're all going to get their chance at some point or another. But regardless, who's getting the job done at the end of the day? And I think for Trey to be able to get the job done, obviously he's going to have to work on or continue to progress on the throwing side of things, being sharp with the checkdowns, right? Being sharp from 10 to 15 yards, right? That was Jimmy's bread and butter stuff. Jimmy was very good from 8 to 15 yards. The good uh, He was very good on throws inside the hashes that's where he worked that's his bread and butter if those guys can get good at those things because a lot of the offense is built on those and then outside the hashes being able to make the throws outside the hashes which we know trey can do trey can throw the deep ball but it's working on the 88 percent of throws that are going to occur during a football game which are all under 15 yards usually and those are the throws that are making you know, moving the chains. Where's Trey at when the key or when there's key down situations? Those key downs are usually what third and short, third and mid. Is can he pick up the blitzes? Yeah, those are usually when you're going to see like fire zones. You're going to see man blitz situations. Um, you're going to get the more exotic coverages instead of base personnel packages. How does he function under pressure or um, under those key down situations? Um, has he progressed? I'd like to see him obviously progress from a confidence standpoint. Like I want to see Trey seems like he's not necessarily gun shy, but sometimes it looks like he's a little bit too reserved. Like I want to see him kind of just have that breakout where he's owning the spot of being the guy in San Francisco, you know, whether he's the guy or not, um, just be the guy and act like you're the dude. That's why they brought you in. And I think he needs to break out of his shell a little bit. Um, and I'm not saying be, be some asshole that's obnoxious and, you know, showing up to, 
game days with Kyler Murray outfits on and bell bottoms and, and weird <laughs> stuff like that. But, you know, I'm just saying, like, own own who you are and, and understand that you're here in the situation in San Francisco for a reason. They drafted you in the first round for a reason, but rise to that occasion. Um, and and I, that's just – and I know he's more of a quiet, reserved dude, and he's not some outgoing – type of guy I don't know him personally but just from the looks on the outside and from people that I've talked to that have associated with him everybody has great great things to say about him but I just want to I want to see Trey kind of own it and, and and show that he's the dude um if that's who he is we've seen Trey Lance now work with several different quarterback coaches and there are a lot mm-hmm. of people that say this quarterback coach is better than this quarterback coach right like the names you kind of hear all the time uh or actually, us coming up was Roger Theater, right? Like that was the Roger, guy. Yeah, Roger hey, was the guy. You, you got to go work with Roger Theater, and and there were a couple of times where I worked with him. You worked. Uh, when I said I worked with him, I caught passes. Uh, yeah. For my quarterback, and that's what he they kind of require is like your quarterback comes and it's like, hey, bring a receiver. So I caught passes for my yep. quarterback. Uh, you were there with Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, I trained with Kaepernick there. So I was at junior college and then at Eastern Washington when Cap was at Nevada. Um, and then we actually played him first game of the year, um, 2010 season. Yeah, 2010 season. So Cap's, I think it was Cap's senior year, junior or senior year when they were rolling. I think it was that 12-0 and 0 year or whatever it was, they were rolling. And we played out Nevada that year. But, yeah, I trained with Cap for – two years um, on the weekends and when he would come down from school, um, you know, watching him throw and do his thing in person. So uh, train with a bunch of guys, but you know, I think the different coaches, right. I mean, we've seen again. Yeah. I've been around a bunch of them and everybody has their own different style. And I think that's kind of what you're looking for is like, what makes one guy better than the other? Or what makes, I think it's all preference, right? There's guys that have relationships. There's guys that have been with certain dudes for a while. Um, you know, Quincy obviously did a ton of stuff with Trey. I think he did a really good job. Quincy and Sean are some of the best in the business. I think that they do a really good job with quarterbacks. Um, and then he went to 3D QB and worked with, um, you know, Tom House and those guys. And then obviously now he's with uh, Jeff Christensen doing stuff with Pat Mahomes. So I think that you're just taking what he's doing is taking bits and pieces along the way. Like he took bits and pieces and things that Sean and Quincy taught him. And then he's taking things from 3d QB and now he's getting things from Jeff. And I it really, you know, we're talking about a lot of the same stuff, um, you know, to, to us that do it for a living every single day, we can watch guys throw and understand right away. Like I can watch Trey throw or watch a game on a, you know, a live game and somebody makes a throw and I'll rewind it and know right away, probably what a quarterback, why he missed or what he did wrong. Um, but especially in the throwing session, I watch them live have them throw for, you know, youngsters show up and they have them throw three balls to me. And then it's like, all right, put the ball down. This is what we're going to work on. And I can tell right away some of the things that they need to do, but really it's some of the verbiage, right? Some things might click with Trey and being with Jeff Christensen, the quarterback coach he's working with right now, some of the verbiage he might be using or some of the tools, um, some of the drills that he might be using might work a little bit better for him, even though it might be teaching him a lot of similar stuff. It's just little verbiage things, something that might stick with him a little bit more than it did in the past. Um, You know, it's not rocket science 
at the end of the day to quarterback coaches that do this for a living. Um, but I think it's just the little details that are sticking with Trey right now. And that's why he was able to work on it. Or, you know, part of it could be maybe there's a fire lit underneath Trey's ass. Now he realizes shit. It's, it's go time for me. Like I, I came into the league. I was the rookie. Um, first round draft pick. I didn't have a ton of pressure. Jimmy was there. The expectations weren't necessarily there right away. So I have some time. I got some time. I'm a decent thrower right now, or I'm a pretty good thrower right now. And then here comes Brock Purdy. Trey gets hurt or Jimmy comes back, right? Plays well. Brock comes in, plays well. Now Trey's sitting here on the back end like, shit, like I got to figure out something because otherwise if we keep going at this rate, I'm probably not playing again for the 49ers. So and that's just reality, you know? And so maybe there's this fire that's lit underneath his ass and, and now he's taking it a little bit more serious. I don't know. Again, this is just, you know, just obviously talking, um, but that could be something and why he's been able to make those changes is because he's dived into it a little bit more. All right. Last question here before I let you go. I know you just got off the field working with your young quarterbacks and I shoes. If you, if I was able to pan my camera here, you see my suitcase open, man, I'm packing for Miami in the morning, got a flight in a few hours. But if you can think back to when Greg Pinelli was a youngster and you were playing, what's one thing mm -hmm. that you wish you knew now playing the quarterback position that maybe would have helped you kind of further your career or were you just always kind of made to be a quarterback coach? Because, I mean, you were a big power thrower. So you kind of were not prototypical in your, like, movements, even though I did see you hurdle a guy which was definitely good. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, uh, you see my Pirates chair behind me. Greg and I played together at Modesto during college. So uh, yep. so what things do you see now where it's like, gosh, if I would have known this, like, who knows how long I would have played. Yeah, I, I think one is one thing that changed, especially from quarterbacks when we're talking about high school to college and the college team felt the, the access, the recruiting has obviously changed, even for, for everybody, not just quarterbacks. The Twitter world has changed everything. Being able to tweet at coaches, huddle, not taking a week on Windows Movie Maker to make a highlight, burning all the CVD, uh, CDs or the DVDs to your desktop, and then having those download, and then taking those and having to clip it. Now these guys can get highlights from their phone 15 minutes after the game is posted on a Friday night. You know what I'm saying? So that's obviously one thing that's different, but I would say taking care of my body better when I was younger, um, training harder, taking care of my body, um, doing more things, not just going out and throwing routes, but doing, you know, mechanics weren't taught a ton back in the day. Yes, a little bit, but not to, they, they've evolved, they've changed. There's, there's more tools out there now. There's more availability for understanding knowledge, but, um, you know, I was a good thrower of the football. My mechanics were definitely not the cleanest. I was definitely a lot lower in my release. I played baseball my whole life. So similar to like a Russell Wilson, similar to Josh's, similar to Trey's, even when it would go back a little bit further. But, um, you know, I would say overall is having an understanding of an offense. I, I was good with the offensive playbook, but, excuse me, having an understanding of defenses being able to read and recognize on the fly and spending more time on coverages and leverage points to look at and keys to look at on defenses rather than just looking at the safeties, 
okay, we got two high, we got one high, or we're going to motion them and we got man. Well, why are they running man in this situation? Why is that guy playing in this area in this defense? And why are his eyes to number one or to number two? What are they trying to accomplish? And that's something I wish I would have taken um, a little bit more serious or put my put my time into it a little bit more because the game becomes so much easier. It slows down when you can get up to line of scrimmage and know you have a 90% shot at knowing exactly what they're going to be doing on defense. And there's going to be times where you get confused. They throw something out you throw something out at you that you you didn't see on film. Um, and you know what? You eat it, you throw it away, whatever. And then you go back to the sideline. You can look at it on the iPad. Boom. Like that's another thing. Now in college, they got the iPads or uh, you got jumbotrons. You got iPads in the NFL where they can go to the sideline and literally play back to play and see what they're doing. Oh, okay. Next time the, the safety goes here and number two is outside. This is the coverage that they're going to throw at us. It's a lot different these days. But yeah, I would say definitely um, being more confident um, in understanding and doing the right things from the film room perspective. Not that I neglected it, but just diving into it deeper. Yeah, I think for me, pro- probably the same thing, like just having a better understanding of how to really play just different coverages so that the game can mm-hmm. slow down for me because I just wasn't the fastest guy. Or just understanding how to train better as well. You know, I remember uh, when I was in the, with the Jets and it was the off season going from OTAs to training camp. And there was this guy and he's like, yeah, man, come train with me out in Tracy. It was like just this one guy that did sports training. And I, I want to say maybe he trained James Jones as well. And he was like, yeah, just like $150 a week. And he's like, I got $150 a week to give you. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he's like, right. that, was, that was the only option between him. And then I think uh, after that time, heading into uh, the arena league, I you know ended up being number one overall pick. And I called our guy, Brett Butler. He was one of our teammates. Greg, uh, Brett owns a, a, I mean, sweet gym now. He's doing his thing out there in Modesto. I think he won, like, best f- training. Yeah, 209, facility. best facility in the 209 or something like that, like, year yeah. after year after year. He kills yeah. it. Brett's the dude, man. Yeah, no, he's killing it. Great, smart smart guy. But I, I got with him, and he worked with me on some stuff. But, you know, it's just funny how much you talk about quarterback mechanics and how much uh, that's improved over the years. But, man, I mean – as an athlete, I, I could only imagine with how competitive I was, how much better of an athlete I could have been because I wasn't the most naturally – when I say natural, I mean in comparison to the average person, I was very naturally gifted. But in comparison to like the, the 1% that's in the NFL, I was very average. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, I could have really helped myself a whole lot. Uh, we're going to get out of here in a minute, see if there's any questions here from the chat. If you guys have any questions on uh, mechanics – fire away. Uh, for the record books, I want to be known that I've been saying if Purdy starts week one, we will lose at least seven games. Uh, that's from Nine Gang Tay. And, and I'll say there's Nine Gang Tay. I mean, I, I don't think Brock Purdy has shown us anything that says he's just going to lose seven games in the season. I mean, he, he played well. Um, I, I felt like he was in great situations in the sense of his clock being slowed down. Because the you know the defense played very well during that time, but then when the defense didn't play well, like against the Raiders, I thought he showed up and made uh, really timely throws when he needed to. That resulted in the win. So I, I, saying that the 49ers would lose seven games with Brock Purdy, 
is something that I definitely would not predict uh, happening based on how I saw him play. Now, I also am the one that just said, I feel like the more, or the longer Kyle's around some of these guys, they start to get a little tight because he's so tightly wound. And that is something that potentially can make Brock Purdy take a step back. But if he continues to play as loose as I felt like he did last year, I don't see a scenario where the 49ers lose seven games with Brock Purdy or quarterback. And I'm curious on how, how tight that leash is really going to be, given the fact that you do have Trey Lance and Sam Darnold behind him. I would like to think that it's going to be a little bit tighter. They, they lose seven games or they lose, you know, I mean, if the Niners went 10 and seven this year, I don't know what people are predicting, right? It's just all predictions and hearsay at the end of the day. You know, I think a, I think a 12-win season would be good for them this year. Um, you know, I think 13, 14, whatever, anything more than that, I think would be a phenomenal season. But I think 12 games is doable for them. Um, you know, but the biggest thing is it's not who's necessarily playing quarterback as we've seen at this rate. It's, it's are they going to be able to make it? more than seven freaking games or eight games. And that's the biggest question. And so I don't know, man. I mean, I think that, I think that both of them have a ton of abilities. I think that we haven't seen a big enough um, picture of Trey yet in the NFL to make a determination on whether he's good or bad. I don't think that, you know, even with Brock eight games, yeah, it's eight games. I think that he's earned the right to probably be the guy. But given the fact that you have Trey right behind him and you drafted Trey, let them both go at it. Let all of them go at it and see who's you're going to. I feel like you're only going to get the best out of every single one of those guys being in a high pressure situation. And God forbid it doesn't work out. Hey, next guy up then. Right. Here we go. Uh, And last question here. Uh, When training camp comes, what is going to be the straw that breaks the camel back on who will win the starting job? Uh, what would be the deciding factor? What, what do you think? Let's say all quarterbacks, all quarterbacks. Are, you're saying you're saying open competition because I'm open competition. Supposed to be the guy. So like, if Brock's not healthy, then I would like to think that it's going next the next two. But let's say that it's open competition. The straw that ba- the breaks the camel's back on who's going to be the starter. Um, you know, it's taking politics and taking other things out of it. I, I think, it, one, who's going to operate Kyle's offense the most efficiently? Who's going to limit the most mistakes? Who's going to show that they're capable to operate on the fly, off script, which we saw a lot of Brock doing um, when he was in the game this past year, you know, being able to extend plays? And, and who's going to be the biggest leader? Who's getting the team to buy into them um, and, and making sure that, when they step on the field or they're in the huddle, they can look at the dudes and they have the confidence in that guy that he's going to be the one that leads them down the field. And coaches talk to the players. Coaches, Kyle's going to talk to the receivers. Kyle's going to talk to the linemen. He's going to talk to the running backs and say, hey, how's so-and-so doing? How is he in the huddle? How does it feel on the field with him? And they want to make sure that the right guy's in the right spot at the end of the day. Um, But, you know, all of them are obviously capable throwers. They're in the NFL for a reason. Some are better than others. Some have stronger arms than others. Who's going to limit the most mistakes and who's going to operate the offense efficiently um, and, and and not be scared to make mistakes because it, it will come off two guys at that level. Who is scared to make mistakes and who isn't? 
who's out there just playing freely and having fun with it and being the guy owning the spot. Um, it, you can tell when guys are doing it when they aren't. Great stuff there. Shout out to my guy, Greg Pinelli. He is at Greg underscore Pinelli on Twitter. Y'all make sure y'all go give him a follow. Uh, fortunately for the 49ers, there is no Jimmy Garoppolo. So all his Jimmy Garoppolo love, he has to kind of follow the, the Las Vegas Raiders to see that. Not yet. Not, not too soon. <laughs> not too soon. We might have to cut this clip. We might have to cut this clip. Yeah, hey. the, day, the, the Undertaker where he popped back up. <laughs> like I posted that before. Hey, you never know. I honestly, at this rate, if he did come back, God forbid, I think it would be hilarious, dude. Why do you think it's so? I, I, like, I would be, I would be, it would be so comedic because I saw Grant put something out there the other day that said he's so glad that he's, uh, he's finally moved past Jimmy. And then two days later, it talks. Or I hear I hear these talks of, you know, if he doesn't if he doesn't pass this or that, that basically like, yeah, it's not gonna work out and he's done with the Raiders. It's like, well, if he comes back to the Niners, then I, I would literally I mean, Grant, I would have to go pull that clip and then and then get after him on Twitter for it and say that Jimmy's back. <laughs> <laughs> it would be I think it would be comedy. Hey, look, I told you guys last year, I told you last year. Everybody wanted Jimmy gone. Jimmy was, I think what Jimmy was for the 49ers, he helped turn the, obviously the organization into a good, or back on their feet, or got them back on their feet, turned the things around. Uh, was he the best quarterback ever? No. Was he the worst quarterback ever? Certainly not. Very capable dude, operated the offense efficiently, um, and a lot of people wanted him gone. And then we get to the situation last year where they're like, oh, let Trey play and get Jimmy out of here. And then they re-signed Jimmy, and you're like, holy hell. Thank God they had Jimmy because the situation probably would have been completely different. Brock had seven or eight weeks, what was it, seven weeks, six, six and a half, seven weeks behind Jimmy to be able to learn more and more and more from Jimmy being on the sidelines. Um, if Jimmy's not there, Brock's tossing in the fire. What does last season look like? Do they even make the playoffs? Is Brock even the person he was seven weeks down the road? So thank God they ended up having Jimmy there because it, w- it would have been completely different, I think. Um, so it was a blessing. And, and the way that shit's going, and we talked about this, are the Niners any better right now at quarterback than they were last year in this same time frame? Okay, are so, they any so- better from a quarterback perspective? I'm talking right now, here's the guy. which We don't know who the guy is, right? You had Trey. Here's the thing. Last year, you had Trey. Trey's the guy. God forbid shit hit the fan as it did. Like, oh, well, we have Jimmy. We know he can get the job done, God forbid. It's just it might not, it might not be what everybody wants to see from a fan perspective. Clearly, Kyle saw enough in him and everybody else. Sure enough, ugly too, he, he ran out the back of the end zone against Denver. Hey. Shit happens, right? There's a lot of stupid plays you see. Shit happens. Again, hey, hey, no, no, we're not dealing with a slander right now. This is not, we're not bashing Jim right now. We're not bashing Jim, okay? The guy can't even defend himself. He's gone now. He did what what he had to do, but. And was playing his best um, football right before he got He was, he was, he was. I mean, that Denver game, again, we talked about that. Like, he got tossed in the fire. Straight up. 
tossing the fire. He wasn't even running plays and training. He's off to the side of the damn field getting behind video sessions. Probably, is probably trying out, like, video sessions, trying out for other teams on video, basically, throwing a football. And then goes in, boom, you're into, you're into, the, you're into the game in Denver. Here you go. Denver's defense was very solid, obviously. That kept them, to, you know, together week in and week out. But, um, yeah, I, I was – I mean, thank God he was there. But I, I definitely wouldn't say right now that they're any better because from an experience standpoint, you got Sam Donald. Jimmy G, I would take Sam over Sam Donald any day of the week, and I think anybody else would agree with that. Um from what we've what we've seen, the sample that we've seen in the NFL from both of those quarterbacks, or not even a sample size for for Jimmy, but with then you got Trey and Brock. They got what ten games, eleven games in the NFL collectively. Not a whole lot. Jimmy's Jimmy's Jimmy's. I mean, they barely they've been they've played in as many games as damn near Jimmy's lost in the NFL. I think he's he's lost what eighteen games, nineteen games in the NFL. Those guys have like 12 games total put together. So it's a lot different. And we talked about it too. Kyle Shanahan, what's Shanahan's record without Jimmy G and Brock Purdy? But see, now you got to throw him. No, 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 no. What's his record? What's his record without it? I don't know. But the fact that you have to say what's it without Jimmy and Brock Purdy. Like, you can't do that. What is it? Well, because I'm adding Brock. Okay, so take away. Let's say that – let's say it was just with Jimmy then. It's – I'd have to. I'd have to go look. I know without both of them, it's nine and twenty-eight. I think in the NFL without them, that that sounds about right. <laughs> nine and twenty-eight. I feel like there's, without, there's more wins than that. No, without them, he had Nick Mullins, and he had what's his name. Yeah, but but Trey Trey probably on paper is credit for two wins, and then Brett Brady, however many wins he got, and then Nick Mullins won a few games. I know better. One, I heard that somebody put it out there the other day. It was nine. They said nine and twenty-eight without Jimmy G and Brock. That, and that I know everybody on Twitter. I know everybody on Twitter and all the content creators. are if you miss up one, on one stat, they're up your ass about it. So it was one of those guys that put it out there. Somebody had put it out there. You guys can fact check it. If I'm wrong, hey, I'll admit it. But I think that's what it was. I think that's what it was. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah. So not, but yeah, it's not ideal. Honestly, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen, dude. It's I know everybody's sitting here like the fact that we're talking about it and Trey's been on the roster for three years now and Jimmy's gone and you have Sam Donald who's had a losing record in the NFL and has done decent things but probably more bad than good in the NFL. And it's not an damn He's been in shitty situations. And then Brock still, you know, seven or eight games in the NFL. That's it. Very small sample sizes um, from the two dudes that you think are going to be the the starters. So, at this time right now, you'd like to think that uh, with our team that we have that's in a win now mode, that we'd have some type of answer at quarterback. But here we are. Here we are, and uh, here we go. We are done with this episode of the Eric Crocker Show. I have my guy Greg Pinelli with me again. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Greg underscore Pinelli. And you can find me on Twitter as well at Eric underscore Crocker. And uh, get some more of our takes. I got to keep my takes more for the pods now, right? Between this show, Locked On 49ers come at you five days a week. But uh, we're going to be doing this more often and trying to format it to where Greg and I have our own 
specific show for the link and all that good stuff. I'm going to get to that. But appreciate everybody that tuned in today. Hit the like button and hit the subscribe button. Subscribe to this video. There we go. Subscribe to this video. Happy birthday to my baby Pickle. We're out. Peace.